0: Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Okay, well, welcome again. And we are going to dive right into what we need to be sharing scriptures today. Uh, Again, if you're a first time visitor with us, make sure you complete your information card. On the back of the seats, there should be one in the seat in front of you. You just take the card, complete it, your name, information. Give that at the Welcome Center. You receive a gift, and we welcome you for visiting with us today. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. invite you to turn with me in your scripture today to read just uh, about three or four verses here. In Matthew chapter 22, we're going to verse 38. Matthew 22, verse 35. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher. Note they didn't even give the full respect Jesus deserved. You know, he should have at least been rabbi, should have been, been at least lord, but no. Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and then you could tell he didn't, he didn't even let his breath out because it continues, and, there it is, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying, just the way he words it, it would be like saying, what's the greatest commandment? He says, well, I can't split the first two. Here it is. You have to love God with all your heart, everything in you, and as you do that, love your neighbor. They go together. It's not one or the other. You can't just have social care and nurture and compassion without full-out compassion towards God. And you can't say you love God with everything if you aren't touching somebody else they really have to go together together that's the greatest commandment father this morning i just pray that you would open our hearts to understand what's often i think lost in this passage to understand why this actually normally when when questions were asked that lord you would you would often ask another question in return you would often try to redirect it. But this is one time when a question was asked, you went right to the answer. It was like, this was the question. You put it in the heart for this question to be asked because this was so important for you to give that answer clearly, concisely. And Lord, I think that maybe perhaps we have missed some of the clarity of this answer. Help us today to be more clear. Holy Spirit, show us what this means to us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I want to talk, the title I put in here is an expression that I never used up until a few years ago, and I began to use it more frequently in the context of my faith. And the title of my message reflects it, Nurturing Love. The word love is so commonly thrown around, you know, I love you, yeah, I love you. Um, yeah, I just love this. And we, we love a lot of things. It's an expression, isn't it, now? It didn't used to be back 15, 20 years ago. But now you, you can't almost be in a conversation if somebody doesn't tell you they love something. You know, oh, yeah, I just love the way that game ended out yesterday. You know, I, you know, I, I love the, the weather. I just, I love my car. You know, or, uh, you know, I love that other person's car. Oh, I just love those sports cars. You know, or, or I just love, you know, whatever it is. And we throw the love around a lot, <laughs> okay? Now, here's the problem with that is it tends to dilute what real love is. And so I try to personally, I try not to do that. I've resisted on a few occasions the culture that I try to use a different word than love unless I really mean love. But love has to be of a, of a different weight than other words. I might simply say That's a pretty impressive whatever. I enjoy this. That is delicious. Instead of just dropping the word love into it. Okay, you are tracking with me? So here we have Jesus giving a demonstration of the most important thing, and yet this is being diluted in so many ways where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love others. We are talking of a bit of a theme here in the last couple of weeks, and we're kind of in the middle of this theme. It's a brief theme, but it's a theme, Come to My Table. And Lori and I adopted this theme back a number of months ago that we just really felt as, you know, circumstances of our times that we live in, but just observing that there's this low-level edginess, That seems to be among people. And it's been there. This isn't new. But there's an edginess. There's a brittleness maybe in relationships. Some of you, relationships have been very much tested in the last few years. Now, you don't have to nod. But wow, there's been some real test in relationships. Relationships that maybe some of you have been able to coexist you know, in, a, in, in, in levels of pleasantry, in other words, you keep yourself busy here and there and everywhere, that that allows you to have a pretty good relationship because if you're too close, locked in, you get on each other's nerves. Now, husbands and wives do not look at each other. But now, all of a sudden, during lockdown, you know, we spend a lot more time. All of a sudden, such and such is working out of the home and it's, it's a whole different beast, Sometimes it's that. That's not really maybe what I'm making most reference today. I'm more referring to relationships based on a lot of anxieties that have come out and really been accentuated in the last few months, maybe last few years. I'm going to suggest it's not going away anytime soon. Now, I mean the anxiety can, and the level of love certainly can increase. But the tensions and anxiety, I'm going to... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I'm going to say this: all the indicators is there's going to be continued tensions. There's going to be continued tensions, and they're going to come from different ways, and if you think that this doesn't really bother you, chances are one that will, will come, that'll get under your skin or a few. And so they're not going away. We can't solve the problems that are heart problems through political means. We can't solve it that way. They've never been solved that way. They are solved spiritually. And when we try to push that out, then we raise ourselves up on the spiritual pedestal. And I've never found that our own our own level of, of goodness is the answer to problems. Because our goodness falls short constantly. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Only his glory can begin to bring reconciliation to problems. So here we are, the issues around love. It's one of the reasons this text right here in Matthew 22 became for Cornerstone uh, our guiding light. And it has been, I'm going to assume, from the beginning of the church, the establishment of this local fellowship. Many churches, I'm going to, I don't have to hazard a guess, I just know that this is their cornerstone. It's the scripture that Jesus just talked about. What's, what have we got to keep right in front? we got to keep this in front of us so that we don't get off track. What is it? It's what Jesus just said here. You need to keep your love fresh, hot, the fire's burning with your affections towards God. So if I just pause there for a second, I have a question. How's it going? How's that going? It doesn't happen automatically, and it doesn't work if you just wait for Sunday morning, because it's like having one meal a week. It's just like, yeah, you'll be pretty starved if you can only have one. No, you have to regularly nurture that part of your vertical relationship with God, love, and then... To others, So we actually developed that right into our vision statement. Our vision statement is this, loving God and loving others. It's not that complicated. That was one, God and others. That's what Jesus said. You can't separate. It's all together. It's a package deal. It's a bundle. So here it is, love God and others. Then our second part was in relationship with God as believers in faith to God. The second part was now we have to grow together in Christ. So very strategically, the second part was in Christ. We just don't grow together trying to grow together. We grow together around a common theme. What's the theme? Christ. We didn't say grow together in Jesus. Same, same, but we emphasize his messiahship. We emphasize by saying Christ, his lordship. We grow under submitting to his lordship. So grow, and note the word, together. So it didn't say I grow individually individually. I can just do it at home. I, I can self-study. I can self, self-grow. I'll watch, you know, Christian television, and that's all I really need. I'll read good books, and and you know I that's all I need. I'm going to encourage you that if there's not an ability of give and take together, your growth is stinted that you are, you're probably not where God wants you to be. There's something about growing together. So Last week, we shared 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. We talked about the virtue of eating together. And all of those who like to eat say, amen. amen. There's a cartoon in the New Yorker. A cartoon showed two pigs eating at a trough. The farmer was filling their trough right up to the brim. Hogs eating away. One hog turned to the other and asked, have you ever wondered why he's being so good to us? As followers of Christ, when we invite others to come to our table, it's not to put them on the table. When we invite others to come to our table, it's not to consume. It's not about benefiting me. When I invite others to the table, the purpose of it is to bless them, to love them unconditionally. Not I help you, you know... I scratch your back, so you finish it for me, so you'll scratch. scratch my back. No, 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 that's not why we invite them to the table. We invite them to the table so that we can just bring blessing and benefit to them. No other reason. Nurture, the word nurture. Looked it up. To provide with things essential to healthy growth and development. To provide, So you're doing the providing. I'm nurturing. I provide something essential to bring growth and development. Now, a number of you here may have pets. Some of you have dogs. Some have cats. Some have other things that are pets. Some of us have pets that others would not consider a pet. You have pets. Now, I'm particularly thinking more of maybe dogs or cats when I'm making this statement. But I'm told that feeding your pet is one of the best ways to create a relationship with your pet. It not only provides for your pet's basic needs when you feed your pet, but it teaches your pet to trust you. So when you feed your pet, you're teaching your pet that you are trustworthy. And in return, what do you get from your pet? Well, you get their loyalty. You get their obedience, their affection, whatever measure that comes in. So when you feed them, when you nurture them, they learn to trust you. And when they trust you, they give back affection and recognition and whatever that might come, obedience, loyalty. Likewise, we need to be active in nurturing. And so when I talk about love today, I want to, I want to use that word nurture. It's not used a whole lot. But I want to use it because I think it fits. It needs to fit. We need to understand the significance of love nurturing love. Of nurturing one another. Remember, nurture is not for me. I nurture someone else. I give to someone else. People in your life want to be fed encouragement. I'm going to say that again. People in your life want to be fed encouragement. People in your life want to be recognized. People in your life want security. They want hope. The people in your life, and I don't mean in your immediate cluster of family. I'm talking about people, associates, fellow workers, neighbors, people that you have any contact with in your life. To nurture is a basic need God gave us to give to someone else. I have been given the ability to nurture someone. I mean, think about it. When I mentioned the word nurture, maybe this morning, when I first mentioned the word nurture, who do you think of? Who? Mom. Most of us, when we think the word nurture, think of a mother's nurture. And that's appropriate. I'm not to be surprised. Think often of a mother's nurture. You think of it. I mean, uh, cradling a baby. Taking care of the child. Making sure all the needs are met. We often think of mother. mother there's a series I do on, on dealing with love and the father's love. But there's a, there's a section in that series that talks about mothers. And some of the key issues that we aren't able to embrace our heavenly father's love and the love of others. Is we struggle with our mother's nurture. If you did not grow up. If you were orphaned. If your mother died. If your mother forsook you. Abandoned you in some way. Or hurt you. When that mother's nurture has been broken, there's a whole string of dysfunctions begin to flow out of that. Because fundamental to a child is the mother's nurture. The mother's nurture. Likewise, this is what scripture is asking of us when it tells us to love one another. What's it saying? Not just L-O-V-E. It means nurture another person. And we need to check our motives because sometimes our motives for nurturing another is really not for nurturing, it's to get in return. We need to check that out. When I love, when I say I love, when I say I'm going to help or I care, is there some hidden motives in that? Uh, Don't be like the little girl named Emily. Her father was driving his family home from church one Sunday when five-year-old Emily in the back seat said this. When I grow up, I want to be like the man who stood in front. Emily's mom asked, oh, so you want to be like, you want to be a minister? No, said Emily. I want to tell people what to do. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking she might have missed something there. The purpose of that was not simply to be bossy, controlling, manipulative. I think there's something missed. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So let me just, I want to break this down. So what are nurturers? How do we give? If it's about giving, if love is giving, love is nurturing, how does this actually look? I came up with four words. Let me share those four words with you. Number one, nurturers are givers. Givers in this one starting, givers of love. So it sounds like an oxymoron. It just sounds like you're, you're circling here. Love is nurturing. Nurturing is love. What does that mean? We just It's a circular argument on this. Well, we give love. Now, let me describe this a little bit. Probably the best text would be 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, everybody? So there's faith. Our faith. We live out our faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hope. Hope. We know that it's not simply a vain hope, but the hope that word sometimes is replaced with assurance. We have assurance in what God has promised. He is faithful and good to supply it. And love. But when asked which is the greatest of these, it wasn't faith, it wasn't hope, if those are not given out of love, then they carry no clout. Before I can do anything else in the lives of, of another person, I must demonstrate love. Without love, there can be no connection. Without love, there can be no future. Without love, there is no success. I mean, think back, if you would, can you do this this morning? Think back to maybe people, key people in your life who've had a great impact on you. So let's, let's pull out some illustrations. Let's think about a, a, an incredible teacher. I want you to think of it. So get somebody in mind. Can you do that? When you were in grade school, think of an incredible teacher, a teacher you really liked. Um, maybe, let's think about a boss, a boss you've had or have, a boss you really, really liked. Maybe a family member. So maybe it's a special uncle or aunt or grandparent. I know I've heard different stories even here. There's a couple people come to my mind where they have shared stories of a family member, aunt or grandparent. I want you to, and somebody who's really special. Now, undoubtedly, when you spend time with those people, chances are these people are special because they responded to you very positively. Somehow they responded very positively to you. However, that came out. The teacher I thought was my grade six teacher. She took special interest. When I think of a boss, I think of somebody who took the time to explain and didn't dismiss me too quickly. When I think of a special relative, it's somebody who took the time and cared for me. That's why they were special. It wasn't their IQ was the top. It was because they cared. It looked like they cared for me. There was genuine something coming my direction. Here's the point. The length and breadth of my personal impact on another person is directly related to the depth of my concern for them. How much I influence someone else is related to how deeply I invest in them. There's just no substitute for love. So nurturing love. Nurturing means to give love. Former U.S. President Richard Nixon, I don't really remember that era. U.S. President Richard Nixon describes in a book he wrote... The book is entitled In the Arena. Right after the Watergate scandal, uh, he had resigned. He had resigned from the White House. And he had to go in for surgery. And at one point, while he, Richard Nixon was in the hospital, he, he resigned in shame. Uh, the scandal, his name was dirt. He had received a lot of hate responses to him many ways, rightfully so. Uh, He's in the hospital. He's suffering. He's in the hospital. He tells this in his book in the arena. He's in the hospital, and he told his wife, Pat, he says, I just want to die. He hit the lowest point of his life. I just want to die. When he was at his absolute lowest, he tells the story in his book, when he's at his absolute lowest, a nurse in the hospital came into his room, opened up his drapes, and pointed out the window, and there was a small plane that was flying back and forth in front of President Nixon's window. And it was pulling the sign. Here's what the sign said. God loves you, and so do we. God loves you, and so do we. Well, Ruth and Billy Graham had arranged for a plane to fly by the hospital. And that's when Nixon states he experienced a turning point in his life. Seeing that expression of love out his window, God loves you, and so do we, gave him the courage to recover and to pick up the pieces and go on. There's something to be said about my personal impact on another person is directly related to the depth of my concern for them. Well, it's important to take time to express our love and appreciation for the people around us. It sounds simple. It can be tough to do, though. Tell them how much they mean to you. Send them a note, a card. This past week, Lori and I received a card all the way from Europe. From somebody in that family might be joining us right now online. By the way, thank you. They sent us a card from Europe. They've been watching for a number of months online. And it's just a card of appreciation. It blessed me. I could hardly wait to take it home and show Lori. Blessed her. She had tears. I had smiles. We were blessed because someone took the time to send a card and to just minister to. One of the things I've asked my family members to do, and a number are doing it, nieces and grandchildren and stuff to my mother in the nursing home, is it's one thing to to call and stuff, but send maybe a letter. Something about putting that stamp to somebody who's older, (laughs) just putting that stamp on it and sending it in. And then they can read it over and over. And when I go in there, I see the pile of letters she's got and she reads them over and over again it means so much it's a demonstration of appreciation it can be a text at the right time it can also be an email at the right time it's about giving them a pat on the back and when it's appropriate when it's appropriate a hug don't ever assume that people know how you feel about them don't ever assume tell them show them nobody can be told too often that he or she is loved Do you believe that? Nobody can be told too often that he or she is loved. I was on a Zoom call a couple of weeks ago. One of the Zoomers on the screen didn't let their face, their face didn't come up, no name came up. All that came up on their screen, that little box, was 1 John 4, 7. That's all that was on the screen. So my curiosity's peaked, and I'm like, 1 John 4, 7. So while we're on the Zoom, I'm flipping open to 1 John 4, 7. Can I read it to you? I'm going to read the verses around it too. 1 John 4, 7. This was their home screen on Zoom. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. and his love is made complete in us. Go down to verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I nurture By giving love. Secondly, I nurture by giving respect. There's a story of a woman who moved to a small town. After being there a short while, she complained to her neighbor about the poor service she was receiving at the local drugstore. They were just poor in everything they did. Their service was poor. She just complained about the local drugstore now the reason she was telling her neighbor who had lived in the town a long time she was hoping that her new acquaintance would go to the store owner and tell them the problem that they had well the next time the newcomer went in back into that drugstore that she had so much trouble with the first time the owner greeted her with a big smile he told her how happy he was to see her again He said, I hope you're getting used to our town. I hope you are enjoying our town. He offered himself to help her and her husband out. And while she and her husband were in the store, he took after all the needs. He helped the husband get what he wanted. Then he took her and quickly and efficiently served her. It was a different man. (laughs) Later, the woman back in her neighborhood went over to her neighbor, who she had told that he was a poor drugstore owner and she said I, I suppose you told him how poor i thought the service was because he's changed well the neighbor says not exactly in fact i i hope you don't mind i did talk to him but i told him that you were amazed at the way he had built this small town up i told him that you thought it was one of the best run drugstores you had ever seen That woman's neighbor understood that people respond to respect. They respond to respect. Where love focuses on giving to others, respect shows a willingness to receive. Listening to other people, putting their agenda ahead of our own, reflects respect. I respect you, I listen. I listen. Let me suggest an additional aspect of respecting others is it provides a sense of security. People are reluctant to trust you and me when they are worried about whether you're safe. But if they feel you're safe, they'll put their trust in you. When they feel secure, they're in a position to respond back positively. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. That's what we're talking about. But perfect love drives out fear. It's not that you're beating away fear. No, perfect love leaves no room for fear because they trust you. There's no fear in it anymore because fear has to do with punishment. In other words, there's a negative consequence. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Number three how do I nurture? I give recognition. Recognition. Brains are like hearts. They go where they're appreciated. <laughs> Recognition is greatly appreciated by everybody. You can't not appreciate being recognized. Except maybe Juliana being recognized. No, actually, she is being appreciated. She appreciates it. I know she does. She appreciates it. We all do. We all do. Helen Rosella. A teacher tells this true story. She tells the story of Mark. Uh, as a teacher, she was teaching third grade class one Friday. It's just one of those days the teachers ate. Things just were going bad, from bad to worse. The students were frustrated with themselves, and in being frustrated with themselves, they became edgy and jaded towards one another. They became disrespectful towards each other, and the class was just starting to digress into bedlam. So Helen, the teacher, asked her students, her third-grade students, to write the names of all the other students in that class on a sheet of paper, leaving space between each name. So they just looked down the rows and wrote the names of their classmates. Then after they were done, she told them to think of the nicest thing you could say about each of those people. So there was space, and so you just kind of looked over and you began to write a nice thing you could think about that person. Went to the next one and wrote a nice thing you could think about them. One after the other, they began to write down nice things. It took the remainder of the class to finish, but when the students left, they handed in their paper. Saturday, Helen wrote down the names of each of the students on a separate sheet of paper. Each student had their own sheet. She listed what everyone had said about them. So on Monday, she gave them to the students. Isn't this a great exercise? She gave them to the students. And it wasn't long before big smiles were across their face. number of them were giggling as they read the comments of nice things others said about them. They didn't know they were so well liked. Several years passed. It was after the war in Vietnam. A student by the name of Mark had been killed in battle. The funeral back in the hometown. The reception followed. This is where Mark's parents were waiting for his old school teacher, Helen. And when Helen, that opportunity came, they went to Helen with a piece of paper that when Mark had been killed in battle, the piece of paper was in Mark's wallet found on him when he was on the battlefield. And when the parents got that piece of paper in the wallet... It was this worn piece of paper that years before the students had listed all the good things about him. And he had that list. And it was obvious that Mark treasured it. He carried it to the battlefield. Wow. And Mark's parents just wanted Helen to know thank you. Thank you. Well, the story even got better. The classmates that were apart had come back for this funeral. When... Chuck found out what Mark's parents had said. Chuck says, well, I'm not surprised. Chuck proceeded to say that he has his list in the top drawer of his desk. John piped up and said, I put my list in my wedding album. Marilyn said, I put mine in my diary. Vicky reached into her pocketbook, took out her wallet, and shown her worn, frazzled list to the group. Now... What would make so many adults now hold on to a piece of paper they received back in third grade and carry them, put them in the most treasured places, or carry them with them everywhere they went, even into the battlefield? And the answer is appreciation. Appreciation. When you interact with people, someone said, when you interact with people, walk slowly through the crowd and appreciate." When you interact with people, walk slowly and appreciate the people around you. Ah, It can be hard to do. Work hard at remembering them. Make them priority. Give them recognition. Really, that's what we've been trying to figure out, Cornerstone. To be a light means to be a people that nurture, not to get it back. But to give it away. To nurture. First John chapter 19. First John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Let me take you to that last one. I, I'm putting definition around. What's a nurture? A nurturer gives encouragement. A nurture encourages. There was an an experiment regarding people's capacity to endure pain. I'm really glad I didn't participate in that. An experiment regarding people's capacity to endure pain. Psychologists measured how long a barefooted person could stand in a bucket of ice water. How many here are glad you weren't a part of that experience? Okay. How long could you stand in a bucket of ice water? Here's the one factor they found made it possible for some people to stand in the water twice as long as others. What was the factor? They had one other person there who the whole time encouraged them to keep doing it. That was the one factor. Somebody was brought there and their entire purpose was you can do it, stay with it. Keep going. You're doing great. You're doing fantastic. And they just encourage. And the person wanted to get their feet out of the water, but they didn't because somebody was there encouraging, 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 and they lasted twice as long. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed? Encouragement. When a person feels encouragement, they can face the impossible and overcome incredible adversity. Adversity. There's a lot of people around us and outside these walls who need encouragement. And just to keep pouring it on, to give them the courage to stay with it, they're not alone. And don't leave them alone. So a nurturer gives love, respect, recognition, encouragement. Do you get anything back as a nurturer in return? Oh, it's sweet. I'm going to suggest you get a number of things back in return. If you give of your love, give respect, give recognition, give encouragement, first of all, what do you get back in return? You'll get some self-worth you never had before. I mean, even just try this experiment. I've done this with couples. Just try this experiment. Ask a couple, maybe somebody, whatever the situation, you can be anybody, ask a person to write down on a piece of paper and split the paper in half. On this half write the things that you feel you're strong in, and on the other half, the things you feel you're weak in. The things you feel you're strong in, the things you feel you're weak in. Now, normally, the person will come up with maybe a half a dozen of things they feel they're strong in. And typically, it'll be twice as long the things that they feel they're weak in. That's not uncommon. When I nurture someone else, my own self-worth increases. I feel good. I feel good. I feel good about myself. And these positive benefits flow into every area of my life just because I'm a nurturer. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Apostle Paul says, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so Paul was saying, listen, when you give, you will feel good about it. Something just settles right in your heart when you do, when you take. Yeah, you might get what you've been trying to get, but something is empty right here. Something's empty. Well, not only you get a sense of self-worth because you're a nurturer, you'll also have a sense of belonging as a nurturer. Belonging is one of the most basic of our human needs. When people feel isolated and excluded from a sense of communion with others, we suffer. And this, we're at an all—I'm going to suggest—we're probably at an all-time all-time high right now because of the last couple of years of feeling isolated and and a lack of where do I belong. Has a lot of effects flowing out of this. So this message is relevant today. This is pertinent to where we live right now in the history of civilization. When people feel isolated and excluded from a sense of communion with others, we suffer a sense of belonging that has taken a negative hit. And so we try to compensate by social media because that is the, one of the few things we're left with. But it can provide many followers, but very few true friends. It's the problem. Followers are not always real friends, it's a mirage. And we live in a time where there is such an appetite to belong. So, what's happening? People are hooking up with people they should never hook up with, they're experimenting sexually. Emotionally, relationally, in such unhealthy ways because they long. We long. It's innate. It's built into us. I need to belong. So do you. We all need to belong. That's why gangs are popular. Why do people join a gang? Because they feel they belong. So they join a gang. Promises are made to them. It's why they join areas that are unhealthy, relationships that are unhealthy, even husbands and wives' relationships, unhealthy. It's unhealthy from get-go, but they feel they belong. And for that appetite of belonging, they make unhealthy life choices. To be a better nurturer is like the farmer. No, I had to put a farmer one in here. The farmer who used to hitch up his old mule to a two-horse plow every day, and when he hooked up his one old mule to the plow, every day he would say, "Get up, bearguard. Get up, satchel. Get up, Louie." One day, the farmer's neighbor, hearing the farmer, asked him, "How many names does that old mule have?" Well, the farmer replied, "Well, his name is Pete." He said, "I, I put blinders on Pete." And I call out all the other names so Pete thinks there's other mules working with him. I've discovered he has a better attitude when he thinks he's part of a team. (laughs) Leave it to a farmer. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A court of three. Ah, not quickly broken. Yes, sense of worth when you're a nurturer. You'll feel a true place of belonging when you nurture other people. And let me suggest the last one I wanna share, the close, is it'll give you hope yourself. You will have hope. Johann Wolfgang von Getty emphasized, he said this, treat a man as he appears to be, and you make him worse. But treat a man as if he already were what he potentially could be. And you make him what he should be. Treat him what you see. It's all you'll get. But believe bigger. Now treat him for the bigger. And watch him rise up. Watch him rise up. I want to close with a story that Dennis Rainey tells, a columnist. Tells of a boy. The boy's name is Tommy. Tommy had a particularly hard time in school. Tommy continually had questions he couldn't seem to keep up in class. Tommy seemed to fail at a number of subjects. Seemed that Tommy had a hard time in completing things and being successful. His teacher told his mother that he had a learning disability, probably would not measure up much in life. He would be probably very limited in what he could be. Well, Tommy's mother was a nurturer. She didn't accept that. She believed in Tommy, even though the evidence wasn't there. She taught him extra in the home. She spent time working through his failures, that failures are not a failure if you fail forward. She gave hope and encouragement to keep him going, to keep him trying. Well, Tommy, his name actually is Thomas Edison. That's Thomas Edison. He would hold more than 1,000 patents. He knew what it was to never give up. Never give up. There's something about the ability to nurture. Love that nurtures. Nurtures. So I just want to go through. You give of love, respect, recognition, encouragement. You nurturing love. 1 John 4, 12. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Father in heaven, I thank you that Lord, you've not just, when you gave that command about love, you just didn't leave it out there to be interpreted by whatever. You demonstrate it through your own son. You demonstrate it through yourself what this looks like. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to embrace what it means to nurture, to give. That, Lord, we would be active in how we give of our love. We will give of how we treat others, listen to others. We will recognize and appreciate. We will encourage. We will build up. We will bless. God, help us to grow in that, Lord. Help us to take to heart what it means to love others. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.